Welcome to Searchlight, a survey through Scripture with Pastor John Corson. It is our desire to bring you a systematic study of the entire Bible, chapter by chapter, book by book. We all know that we have been forgiven of our sin. That is amazing and wonderful. But what some people don't understand is that we have also been freed from the power of sin. The Bible says this explicitly in Romans chapter 6. Paul tells us that our sinful nature has been paralyzed. Even though we may be harassed by our sinful nature, it is powerless over us. All we have to do is reckon it so, that is, to believe it. As we join John today, he is about to share with us a story from Judges chapter 4, which powerfully illustrates this truth. Let's now join Pastor John and learn how we can reckon our old man dead. So, John, what are you saying? Just this. I do not have to give in to any single sin. There are those that say today, Oh, your sin is particularly powerful and problematic. And you're going to need lots of counseling and lots of sessions and lots of work to walk your way out of that sinful condition. The Bible teaches nothing of that as far as I've ever seen or read. Romans 6 is shocking. Because Paul is declaring, if you can believe this to be true, if you know it to be so and reckon it to be true, you don't have to give in to that sin Ever again. Whatever that sin is within you or within me, that old man, that old dictating power and entity has been rendered inactive. His neck has been broken when Christ died on the cross. Just like you believe in his blood, thank you, I'm forgiven. So believe in what happened when his body was broken on the tree. Thank you, Lord, I eat of you and believe it to be true that sin no longer has power over me. Any sin. Don't categorize your sins and say, well, that might be true for murdering. I'm not going to murder again. I'm going to give up the habit of murdering people. So I'm not going to ever point my Uzi machine gun at anybody again and gun down people anymore. I'm through with that. Hey, It's gossip, too. It's a lousy attitude. It's homosexuality. It's drinking. It's lying. Whatever it might be. All sin is sin in God's economy. And the power has been provided where Jesus died on the cross. And now you, me, us, we don't have to give in. Well, John, how does that work practically? Well, for every New Testament principle, there's an Old Testament what? 
picture. I want you to see how this plays out. Now turn back to Judges chapter 5 to our story and let's see the picture of how this works out practically where you and I, where we can leave this study today and say, got it. Okay. I don't have to give in again because the old man, I can reckon him to be dead I'm going to know this to be true, what Christ did for me on the cross, not just forgiveness from sin, but freedom and victory over sin, see? Forgiveness from the penalty, true, but also freedom over the power, too. Check this out, kids. This is amazing. Here's the story. Deborah and her commander-in-chief, a guy by the name of Barak, were going to battle against Jabin, the king of Canaan. Jabin, the Canaanite king, had a general that was leading his troops in the battle. Jabin's general's name was Sisera. Sisera had 900 iron chariots. The Jewish people had none. The Israelites had none. In fact, the people of Israel had not yet even entered into the Iron Age. They didn't have iron available to them. But Jabin, the king of Canaan, and Sisera, his general, were not only in the Iron Age, but they had 900 chariots of iron, an awesome arsenal. The odds were obviously overwhelmingly with Jabin, but the Lord spoke to Deborah, this prophetess, this judge in Israel, this deliverer, and she told Barak, her commander-in-chief, her general, don't be afraid, God is with us. And they went out to battle. And what happened was amazing. It was during the dry season. And something very unusual took place that day. Clouds came out of nowhere. <laughs> and rain came pouring down. And flash floods swept through that battlefield where the chariots were rolling to. And the chariots got stuck in the mud, all 900. And the people of Israel knew that God was with them. After all, the God of the Canaanites was Baal, who was in charge of the rain. This presented a problem. Our God must be against us because it's the dry season. We have these chariots, and now rain has come out of nowhere. And, and, and they felt like their God bailed out on them. <laughs> that was good, you know it. <laughs> they felt as though their God bailed on them, and, and oh no, and, and now they're really freaked out because their chariots are stuck in the mud, and, 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 and Baal appears to be angry at them, when in reality we know that it's the true and living God. Our God reigns, you see. <laughs> So now, Sisera doesn't know what to do because his strategy based upon these chariots, they're stuck in the mud. The men of Israel come pouring out and, hey, they have a great victory that day. The men of Israel say, God is with us. And they go ahead and they engage the battle and the Canaanites led by Sisera, they're scattered. Sisera knows that he's in danger, he's in jeopardy. So he, verse 17 of Judges chapter 4, Sisera fled away on his feet. Now he's just 
out of the chariot. He's running as fast as he can on his feet to the tent of Jael, the wife of Heber, the Kenite. He's running for his life. Sisera, this guy who's just lost his army, his chariots are stuck in the mud. He's running, and as he's running and huffing and puffing, he sees off in the distance. He can't believe it. He sees a tent and a person who he recognizes. It's Jael. Sisera, this Canaanite general, recognizes Jael because Jael was married to Heber. Heber and Jael, Heber the husband, and Jael the wife, you see, they're Kenites. The Kenites were in an alliance with the Canaanites. They were friends. But Heber, the man, and his wife Jael, we read earlier in the chapter, or you'll see, they severed themselves from the Kenites. They left the Kenites to live with the Israelites. The word Heber like Hebrew, means crossing over. Heber and his wife, Jael, we are crossing over. We're tired of being with the Kenites and friends with the Canaanites. We want a new life. We want to be in a new family. We want to live in a new lifestyle. So they crossed over and they joined with the people of Israel. Now Heber, who was a Kenite, his wife, Jael, a Kenite, Friends of the Canaanites, not Jews, not Israelites, but they changed their minds and said, we want to be with the people of Israel. So now, here's Sisera. He's running. I recognize her. I recognize them. The old man, Sisera, used to be the general, the dictator, if you would, the dominator of Heber and Jael. Sisera used to be the guy in control of the Kenites, including Heber and Jael, but they changed sides. Are you with me? They crossed over, but guess who shows up again? The old man named Sisera. That happens to you and me. Once we were dominated by Sisera, Sisera, the Canaanite, the carnal king, the carnal general, we had to do what the carnal king told us to we had to sin we were involved in this we went there we were sucked into that but then we too changed over we too said i want to be on your side lord i want to be with your people i want to be a part of your family you came to be baptized one day or you said that sinner's prayer or you walked forward in a crusade somewhere you're saved And you go, oh, at last I'm free from Sisera and Jabin and the Canaanite civilization. But then, shortly thereafter, guess who shows up again? The old man. The old dominator. The old general. Hey, Sisera shows up that day. Jael, though, verse 18, went out to meet Sisera and said, turn in, my lord, turn in to me, fear not. Hey, old man. Sisera, you used to dominate us. Hey, come on in. Come over here. And when he had turned in unto her into the tent, she covered him with a mantle, a blanket. She's no longer afraid of Sisera like she used to be. She's no longer intimidated like she once was. But rather, she looks this Sisera in the eye and says, Hey, guy, come over here. And Sisera goes into the tent. In those days, at that time, 
Only a husband would be invited into a woman's tent. Men and women generally had separate tents in those cultures in that day. So nobody's going to be looking for Sisera in the tent of a woman, you see. It would be a safe place to be, he would think. Just to make sure a blanket was put over him. To make sure that if anybody did happen to peek in or look in, they would not see Sisera there. Because they were looking for Sisera. They were after Sisera. He was the general that was defeated soundly, routed badly. Then he said, verse 19, Give me, I pray thee, a little water to drink, for I am thirsty. That's what the old man always says. The old dictator, the old dominator. Just give me a little water, just a little sip. I'm thirsty. He's polite here. Would you mind giving me, I've been running for my life. Sweat must have been pouring down. His tongue hanging out. He says, I'm thirsty. Can you give me? That's what the old man always says. Once you're a Christian, once I'm a believer, hey, sooner or later the old man comes our way. Give me some little drink, please, would you? Just a little sip of this, a little thing of that. Just a little bit. (laughs) And she, I like this, she opened a bottle of milk and gave him drink and covered him up again. Now, this idea of milk, keep in mind, there's no refrigerators back then. We're not talking homogenized, pasteurized, or 2%. In those days, in these times, it was actually a yogurt cottage cheese kind of thing that was kept in a skin that you squeezed out. It would be hot, curdly. So here's a guy that's been running for his life. He's real thirsty. Give me a little water. Here, have some cottage cheese. Hot. Curdled, sour. I like this. See, we are told, of course, aren't we, that as newborn Christians, as those who have crossed over, like Heber and Jael, the characters in our story, we are to desire the sincere milk of the word. I like this. It causes the enemy's stomach to curl, it causes the enemy's stomach to be upset. When you give him milk like that. So she gives him milk. And again he says, now, now, now stand in the door, verse 20, and it shall be when any man doth come and inquire of thee and say, is there any man here? Thou shalt say, no. He's demanding more. At first he's polite. Could I please have a little water? Now he's saying, now listen to me. I want you to lie. You stand at the door. If any man comes by and says, is there a guy in there? You say, no. That's what the old man does. At first, just a little bit, and then he begins to take control. Then he begins to make his demand on you and on me. Lie! Cover it up! Don't acknowledge that I'm in here. Don't let anybody know that you're struggling with this. See? That's what the old man does, precisely. So what did Jael do? Verse 21. Jael, the lady, Heber's wife, they used to be under his control, this Guy, Sisera, she went and she took a nail of the tent. I love this story. It's got a great point. (laughs) And we'll hammer it home here in just a minute. Why would she take this nail of the tent or a tent spike? In those days, it was the women who put the tents up and took the tents down. It was the women who 
packed around these tents and put them up and took them down as people moved around. It was the women who did the cooking and cared for the kids and put up the tent and took it down. The men would sit in the shade and share beverages together. It's the way it ought to be. I believe it's a good pattern. (laughs) No. So she was familiar with this tent spiking and all the rest, so she goes out while he's in there under the blanket, having just had his stomach filled with this milk stuff, this curdled, yogurty, cottage cheesy kind of deal, you see. With this cottage cheesy, yogurty milk in his stomach, you see, it would make him obviously very sleepy. So now he's under the rug, he's already been running a long way, He's got this milk stuff in his stomach. He's sawing logs that day. She goes outside, takes a nail of the tent, and took a hammer and went softly unto him and smote the nail into his temple (laughs) and fastened it to the ground. Talk about a splitting headache. Man. She takes the spike and grabs a hammer too and sneaks into where he's sleeping under the rug, this old man that was giving her orders and telling her to lie, to cover him. She knows what to do. She takes the spike and she takes the hammer too. She fastens his head to the ground for he was fast asleep and he died. (laughs) I like that. He was fast asleep and he died. The old man, listen to me, the old guy was reckoned dead. How? The nail. The nail. The nail speaks to you and me of the cross. Jesus was pierced with nails, not just his body, but my old man too. The temple, the temple, the temple, like the nail went through the temple of his head. What? Know ye not that your bodies are the temple of the Lord? Don't give your temple over to him, but deal with him. That is not the Lord. Deal with this old guy that wants to rule and dominate in you and take over me. How? By taking the cross, what Christ did on the Calvary's cross, and say, hey, I am reckoning this to be dead. I don't have to give in. That hot fudge Sunday is calling out to me. With the fudge melting down and the whipped cream piled up and the cherry just, oh, so delicious and so lovely sitting there on the top of that mountain of whipped cream, you see. Oh, John, you, you, you have to give in. The only way that you're not going to succumb to that is if, well, we kind of ease off slowly over many, many months. We'll have hot fudge Sunday group meetings. And we'll discuss together our experiences over the years with Hot Fudge Sundays. And we'll kind of talk about it. And we'll get some dairy people to discuss the ramifications of milk and ice cream and whipped cream. And we'll get, uh, just don't, you know, you, you got to, this is tough. You're right. It's going to be, or I can say, wait. The Bible says that that old man was paralyzed. His neck was broken. He's rendered inactive that a spike from the tree goes through his head. 
And I take the hammer, the hammer, like she took the hammer that day. I take the hammer of the word. Jeremiah 23, verse 29, you can look it up later, said, Is not my word like a hammer? You take the word of the Lord. I don't care what psychologists might say or what other peoples might tell me. The fact of the matter is God says you don't have to yield your bodies as instruments of sin. You don't have to. It's not a process you go through. It's rather you know something and reckon it to be true. And I say to that hot fudge Sunday, I do not have to give in. So I know that the power that used to dominate me and still is screaming intimidatingly within me but has no more power because he's been nailed and the hammer of the word, boom, says it's true. I'm now going to take the nail of what Christ did for me when he hung on the cross and my old man was crucified with him in this mystery, in this miracle that I don't understand i just believe to be true okay lord i don't have to give in and i choose to say no right here right now to that hot fudge sunday i choose to do that right then right there and you know what happens there's victory right then right there and the next time that hot fudge sunday screams out to me i can do the same thing again i take the nail of the cross the hammer of the word boom (laughs) and i say I reckon this to be dead. I reckon the old man to be cut or gailed, rendered inactive, paralyzed. You see, I reckon this to be true. And I no longer give in or say it's a long, tough struggle, but I say, I'm yielding myself to you, Lord. Romans 6, check it out again. Read it through once more. Romans 6 is something to sink your teeth into, to think about, to look at over and over again. It's the most powerful passage of Scripture for any believer in dealing with this issue of internal sin. Now, I can choose to give in. I can choose to say, oh, the fudge is just too powerful. And the whipped cream is just too appealing And I'll kind of work my way out over many years, maybe. But Or I can say, I reckon this to be dead. Boom! That's what Jael did that day. This old general that had power over her was dominating previously so effectively. She said, you want water? Take some milk. The milk of the word. You want me to lie? Lie down. I've got something for you, you see. Take the spike, take the hammer, and say, boom, you're through. I'm walking away today, and you're nailed. You're through. And you can be free. Me too. The blood, forgiveness from the penalty, the broken body, freedom from the power. You see, if you'll just reckon this to be true. Is it that simple, John? It is. It truly is. Aren't you glad that God makes it simple for us? God not only has provided salvation from the penalty of sin, but from the power of sin as well. We simply need to reckon it to be so in our lives. We simply need to believe God's word that sin no longer has dominion over us. It's true. 
believe it and be set free. This teaching is also available on the Searchlight website at johncorson.com. You will also find on the website Pastor John's books and other Bible study resources. Again, the address of the website is johncorson.com. That's J-O-N-C-O-U-R-S-O-N.com. In addition to hearing good Bible teachings, it is also helpful to read of God's love, grace, mercy, and truth. For this reason, we have made available the John Corson Application Commentary Set. There are three volumes of these written commentaries, two covering the Old Testament and one covering the New Testament. The commentaries are based on John's teachings, so they contain the same insightful and practical Bible studies you hear on the Searchlight radio program. If you would like to order any or all of these commentaries, you can do so through the Searchlight website at johncorson.com. Searchlight is a listener-supported ministry. We appreciate your prayers and support. May the Lord richly bless you.